everybody. I'm Mike Frollo. I'm Jenny Lyka. And this is End the Nominees. We're a podcast where we watch uh, every single movie ever nominated for Best Picture. Indeed we do. Yeah. Indeed uh, we still are. And then afterwards we uh, we talk about nothing in particular <laughs> yeah. while we're supposed to be recording a podcast. <laughs> Today we're talking about Phantom Thread. Uh, we actually, uh, this is one of the ones that we did see ahead of time. We had seen this one before. We saw it in theaters. Yeah, I, ha- I had to see this movie in theaters. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, uh, I, it's hard for me to say things like this, but I think Paul T- Thomas Anderson might be my favorite living, working filmmaker. That's a bold statement. It is a very bold statement. I, I mean, there's plenty of great filmmakers. As you were saying this, I was trying to think who my uh, favorite living director is i'm like what i don't know yeah like that's not that's not how my brain works and then i was like "Ooh, is it chris nolan i guess maybe and just feels wrong to say it right it does i like christopher nolan movies but every time i say that oh my god i love the dark knight i just feel wrong inside right oh you know what i think mine is edgar wright and i just didn't think of him first because i'm mad at him (laughs) so that's fair. Yeah. Edgar Wright, you know what you did. <laughs> oh, um, so I have uh, at least one friend mm-hmm. who uh, who meant to see Phantom Thread mm-hmm. and hasn't seen it yet because they were like, yeah, it just seemed like another movie about a shitty dude who takes advantage of a woman. And I was like, I can see how you would get that impression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I'm going to come right out of the gate with Reynolds Woodcock is a shitty dude. <laughs> um, yeah, of, okay. fucking of course. Okay. One of my notes just says, Reynolds sucks, by the way, and is weird about women. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that brings up a thing that I was going to mention later. But um, I think uh, one of the things that's interesting about... Uh, PTA's movies is I, I feel like he really enjoys writing about uh, awful people, and he doesn't he doesn't try he like humanizes them without making them seem like they're good. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. he creates a full rounded uh, portrayal of these uh, these characters while just sort of kind of reveling in their shittiness. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, make no mistake, uh, there are multiple shitty people <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna dive in. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess one more thing I wanted to say about about Phantom Thread specifically, I was uh, a little apprehensive about rewatching it because mm-hmm. since um, since there will be blood, he's made uh, four movies. I've seen them all in theaters, and I have seen all of them. Only that one time. And, you know, there there is great value in re-watching movies. I try to do it a lot. I It's hard because there are just so many movies to watch. But uh, you can get something new out of a movie every single time you watch it. But for some reason, his movies in particular, the, the first viewing, There Will Be Blood came out like, what, uh, 10, 12, no, 12 years ago yeah. now. And... You know, I don't remember specifically what the plot of that movie was, but I remember so vividly my emotional reaction to it in a way that I don't with any other 
mo- most other movies that I've seen. It was just like a gut punch upon gut punch, just every single moment just piling on each other. And I felt that, like the same way when I saw The Master. And to this day, I can rem- recall in my mind certain shots, certain uh, lines... And uh, Inherent Vice, not as much, but it's uh, but I still enjoy I, I enjoy that I liked, movie a lot. I it's liked your, Inherent Vice. Yeah, no, nothing against Inherent Vice, but Phantom Thread, I felt much the same way uh, as I did watching There Will Be Blood and The Master for the first time, maybe to a lesser degree. But that's not that's not to say that the movie is not as good as those movies, but it's operating in a, in a different mode. Yeah. for much of uh, its running time. Uh, but yeah, so I was a little bit, uh, I kind of didn't want to watch Phantom Thread for uh, a second time because I value that f- first viewing of these movies so mm. much uh, in a way that I don't with a lot of other uh, filmmakers. Like, I, th- I mean, there's plenty of uh, movies that I really liked the first time that I haven't seen again mm-hmm. uh, that I that don't have the same sort of hypnotic hold on me that these movies do okay uh it's i think he just makes i mean uh, i i've loved his movies going back to uh, since i saw magnolia for the first time like right after it came out and punch drunk love was amazing but these yeah these movies that he's made like since then they're they just uh nobody makes movies like this you know yeah they feel they they feel like movies that you've seen a bunch of they you feel like okay i understand the kind of movie this is but then uh all all of the moments together it just builds a a completely different kind of movie yeah it's um i described uh and i if you're gonna ask me what i mean by this i will not be able to tell you (laughs) Um, but just the other day, I, um, you know, I said that we had rewatched Phantom Thread and who I was talking about was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I, I haven't seen that, but I wanted to, is it good? And I said, yes, it's very Paul Thomas Anderson-y. What do you mean by that? Ah! Oh. Ah! No, uh, but he's I actually... very, yeah, it's very, I, I, and cause I haven't seen as many of them as you have, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just something about the way that he, uh, constructs a film is very singular. And so yeah. like, even though the, the films themselves don't have that much in common. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's very interesting because, uh, he, he as a filmmaker, I feel like he deliberately does not want to do the same thing that he's done before. Right. I think, I don't know, you know, I can't, I can't claim to know what he's thinking at all, but I wonder if maybe, making like Magnolia right on the back of Boogie Nights. And obviously they're set in different times, but there are, they are very indebted to the same sort of movie. Mm -hmm. Sort of like Robert, Robert Altman, Altman, like, uh, big cast. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of big, uh, interwoven stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it seems like every movie that he's made since then, he's tried to get further and further away from that. Okay. Uh, But you still see the same sorts of, things over and over i i feel like um he does tend to have you know uh sort of an obsession with um like surrogate father relationships okay you see that in the master and boogie nights mm-hmm. and uh even in there will be blood where you know yeah he's literally a father but he had adopted the child yep. and but he also it kind of acts as a father to um eli Paul, yeah, yeah to eli mm-hmm. sunday mm-hmm. 
and yeah, uh, and yeah, you see like some of the themes recur over and over. And uh, I, th- I think what has stayed throughout his career is the, the dialogue, mm. the way his dialogue sounds. He's, he's written for people in all sorts of different time periods and countries. Uh, and they don't all sound as, it's not like how uh, everyone in Inglorious Bastards sounds exactly like everyone in Pulp Fiction. Right. That's also, that's great too. Uh, but it's not quite in that same way, but uh, the dialogue is similarly precise in all mm-hmm. of his movies. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the best word for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes the conversations, they, they feel very tossed off, but then if like you go back and you look at the sentences, they're very, they're very specifically. Crafted. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, this, this movie is full of moments like that, full of like lines that you will remember, uh, for your, I mean, like even just the, the most, uh, mimetic ones, like, you know, and there will be blood. There was, I drink your milkshake and then, right. and in Phantom Thread, there's, right. I, 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 I don't almost... give, I don't give a Tinka's fucking curse. <laughs> um, even while, um, chic. Fucking, what? That's what, I what is that word? Yeah. Fucking, fucking chic. Um, what does that even mean? Even as you were saying the bit about surrogate fathers, mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking, you're a bastard from a basket. <laughs> and like, because, oh, that's such a good yeah. line. But and, but I actually had, um, I mean, fucking chic, of course. Yeah. But uh, I have a line just written in my notes okay. from this movie. It was... Uh, don't pick a fight with me. You won't come out of it alive. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hell yes. Yes. <laughs> hell yes. <sighs> but we're going to, we're going to come yeah. around to that. Um, I did have one thought, which is that, you know, uh, you said you described to your friend that this movie was very Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking about this movie that, uh, you know, uh, like I, I say that like every movie is so different from the one before it. This is kind of the the first one in this kind of second phase of his career that, like you you kind of you you read about it, and uh, obviously he hasn't made a movie about you know fifties Britain before. It's mostly stuck to California, but you kind of read about what this is uh, about, and you go in the for the first time. I was like. Yeah, that sounds like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. <laughs> you just know it's going to be about this weird relationship that gets weird. Yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and it does. Yep. And I think uh, trying to place this movie in uh, not just in his career, but in this year in the of the Oscar mm-hmm. nominees, I think that is one of the the things that's holding me back from really loving this movie okay is that this is the first time i've seen a a paul thomas anderson movie and kind of gone out of come out of it i mean thinking it's great and really admiring it but also going like yep that was a paul thomas anderson movie (laughs) like uh you know seeing there will be blood after seeing punch drunk love and magnolia i walked out going what the fuck was that (laughs) i I couldn't even process it for 10 minutes and the master too Mm -hmm. i was like what yep uh yeah, and every single uh, and so uh, and just the fact that you came out of this going, that's about what I expected. Yeah, made you go no. Yeah, a little, a little bit. bit. 
Uh, so, but so it might sound like I'm like Phantom Thread, whatever. But no, this movie's great. Yeah, right this is a bat. good movie. Yeah, I will. I will come on the record right now saying this is a good movie, friends. Yeah. Um, which I was not convinced of when we walked out of it at the at when we saw it. Well, I remember the way you... I the way I phrased that made it sound like we walked out of the movie, which would mean <laughs> it was. Oh yeah, not we've a only movie. seen the first half yeah, of this right. movie. <laughs> yep. It just, I imagine it just continues in the same sort of <laughs> manner. Nothing yeah. strange happens. Nope. Um, well, I remember you feeling sort of the same way after we uh, came out of The Master uh, That's years true. ago. That's true, yeah. And, which, and that one took you a really long time yeah. to work uh, up to it. Yeah, I, I think still... it really, it took like uh, four solid months of me just anytime we were uh, getting drunk just I would just bring it up going, oh, oh my god remember the master and I would be like yes <laughs> yeah I do um but yeah it's uh I I think I think that the master is a more difficult film it is than an this. extremely difficult movie I, yeah. I do think that is his most um uh, unapproachable movie yeah it's not quite you know this it's it's not quite uh, avant garde. It's not no, quite an no. art film, but it is. That film is uh, constructed in a much different way than most movies you see, even your standard art house movies. Uh, but like we were saying, a, a lot of these movies are constructed in a in a somewhat different right. way. But I but I feel like that one in particular, and this one is a little bit of it, but that one more so. Uh, I. F- first engage with uh films when i watch them uh through the plot yeah you know more often than that which is why i had so very much to say about three billboards a movie that i don't feel that strongly about yeah (laughs) but um and this movie fandom thread is very plot light it's true it's a very simple story yeah and uh you know it's it's a little over two hours, I think. Yeah. And it, at least when we watched it this time, it kind of just flew by. Yeah, I agree with uh, that. Like, I remember we had to pause it uh, when there were, like, when there was about an hour left. And, oh, right. And, and yeah. uh, when we came back to it, I was like, oh, boy, we still have an hour left. And, like, it felt like <laughs> like in, like, like, ten minutes gone by and it was yep. the end of the movie already. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's partly because the plot is so simple and it's partly because... Uh, it's partly because it's just a wonderful world to be in, yeah. even when things get very tense. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, this this movie, it relishes in the uh, the aesthetic pleasures of yes. of movies. Mm-hmm. Even that that is true. I was going to say even of its own world. It's a yeah. you know because it's set in uh, the fifties London fashion world. Yeah. And so it's it's very concerned with finer things as like just all together, like not just fashion, but the movie, you know, but like yeah. the movie is like it's concerned with food and mm-hmm. it's concerned with, uh, you know, like the architecture of the, the you know, the the, the, the building, building that they're in, yeah. and like, you know, it's just it's and that like extends out to all things. It's like the world itself is is almost it's curated to a level that's almost Nancy Myers. <laughs> honestly, it's like that particular yeah. and that but it's it's it doesn't feel so much like a 
you know, rich white people problems and the way that people uh, dismiss her stuff unfairly. It feels here like... But it's got the same specificity of the upper class and the trappings of the upper class. Yeah, uh, um, but I think uh, maybe why... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't want to t- tie it to Nancy Meyer specifically. No, it was just uh, that was who I no, thought I of as I was uh, saying that. But like here, it very much serves the story that they're that he's trying to tell. Right. You know, uh, this is a story about an esthete. Yes. You know, and uh, so it seems only right that everything else in the movie would uh, uh, would be this beautiful and, That's and sumptuous, especially because. Uh, if there's one thing you learn about uh, Reynolds Woodcock, it's that he is a very particular guy. <laughs> he is extremely particular. Yes. And when things do not go that particular way, his whole brain shuts down. <laughs> and it is wild to watch. Yeah. Um, I guess before we go any further, I felt like I wanted to just, I guess, set the scene as it were, get a, like, give a brief summary of the movie so uh as we said before this movie is set in the uh world of 50s fashion in london specifically Mm -hmm. uh it focuses on reynolds woodcock played by daniel day lewis and before we go any further uh it's just a fantastic name it's true Uh, it's really which supposedly i think uh daniel day lewis chose himself nice yeah uh yeah uh, nice. And it's and Reynolds Woodcock is uh, he is this uh, in demand fashion designer mm-hmm. the 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 ultra rich rich yeah, women he, uh, he designs need his for like in the first yeah and, he design he's designing for a countess going to mm-hmm. some fancy ball yeah uh, there's a a princess from Belgium who comes to get her wedding dress which yeah. is a big plot point yeah mm-hmm. like and, super yeah. fancy people. And uh, shortly after the beginning of this movie, out on uh, uh, vacation, he he meets this young waitress, Alma, and they just sort of immediately connect. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, they don't really specify it, but it comes up in little asides that uh, she seems like she's not from... England? Yeah, uh, she's played by Vicky Creeps, who is uh, Belgian, and I okay. think they're just going along with the fact that she's Belgian. Okay. But, it, uh, yeah, I don't think they ever really specify. Yeah. No, they never do. They never specify in the movie. There's just somebody tosses off on the side of, like, you know, where she comes from. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and they uh, they quickly form this connection. I, I hesitate to use any other word yeah. for it. Uh, and, and, and the rest of the movie is really just about their, their romance, their relationship, just at the, uh, the ups and downs and like, just, you know, actually saying, laying out the, the very barest bones plot like that, it sounds like it's going to be just like, like your, a romance. Yeah. Like your yeah. standard, uh, w- romance, what have you. And there's like nothing wrong with a movie like that, but this very much is not that movie. Right. I think it does there have... There are parts of it that are romantic. Yeah, I yeah. think it does have its romantic moments, and I think... Uh, and, as, and I want a great romantic line, which is, you know, 
Uh, I want near, you flat on your back. No, that wasn't even what I was thinking. Although yeah. that one is also great. <laughs> um, uh, Kiss me, my girl, before I'm sick. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um. So that was like a very brief summary of the movie. Do you want to add any, any more detail there, or do you think that's enough? To well, I I think going? you're skipping over um a very major part of that plot summary. Okay. Which is that um you know she uh she comes back from vacation to live with him in London. She doesn't belong in this world. That's true. And 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 it forms sort this of. very uh contentious Conten- right. uh relationship right off the bat where uh well you know at the very beginning of the movie you see uh Reynolds uh with another woman. Yes. Um and it's never really Hashtag gone into justice for Joanna. <laughs> yeah, a, a movie never goes into any sort of detail about how they met or anything, but it, uh, it's you. You just get the sense immediately that uh, he. It seems like he has has had many relationships with many women, and these women are just sort of uh, expected to just sort of slot themselves into right. his pre-established life yep. and order. And as soon as things start deviating from that, it's it's time to go. Yep. And uh, and and this movie is really about uh, Alma challenging that and challenging exactly. Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, the way she puts it at one point is uh, that she has to come to know him in her own way. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, but uh, this is difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Um. And so you skipped the one major plot point, which is that, so uh, she poisons him a couple of times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so she poisons him a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And it Not is... Not enough to kill no. him. No. Obviously. Exactly. defeat the whole purpose. And yes. you wouldn't have your man. Right. You know. But yeah, uh, yeah, she um, she picks some, some toxic mushrooms. Yeah. And, you know, just <clears throat> sneaks them into his tea and mm-hmm. then later makes him the best looking omelet. Uh, but yeah, just enough to make him sick, uh, so that he is prone and helpless and, mm-hmm. and thinks he needs her. Yeah. Basically. Cause it's and like the only time that he shows any vulnerability whatsoever. Yeah. And, and indeed, uh, the, the first time this happens in the middle of the movie, um, you know, he gets extremely sick. And then when he is better the next day, he wakes up and immediately uh, asks Selma to marry him. Right. Yeah. 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 She doesn't have to do anything. Even he. He's just. I mean, she like, did take care of him. That, well, she that, did. That's uh, true. Th- but and I think that part of it too is because uh, they, you know, come back to a couple of times how it seems like he has had a weird relationship with his mother. Yes, and one of the things that I really like about this movie is, uh, you know, even even in movies that I uh, that I really love, even in your best films, uh, characters' motivations or uh, characters' wants and needs will often be sort of boiled down. Uh, in the worst case, to like you know, like some traumatic thing that yeah. one inciting incident in their childhood mm-hmm. leads them to become this uh, person. Right. And what I love about this movie is that uh, Reynolds, in particular, but kind of all the main characters are uh, they're so complex mm-hmm. and complicated. And you you can't just say that Reynolds hates women or Reynolds loves women. Right. It's uh, or Reynolds 
only loves his mother. It's it's just like all of these things wrapped up, and yet like none of those things uh, are his like defining characteristics right. either. Uh, he's just he's a man, and he has a complicated relationship with uh, the people and the the people in his life and the work that he uh, does. And uh, and yeah, I I really I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> Um, yeah, so that I think is, I think that's a good, uh, capsule description yeah, we did there. Yeah, sure. Um, um, so, uh, I don't know, well, I guess this doesn't count as, uh, something that we left out of the plot, because, um, but, uh, the only, um, uh, thing that I think is very important that we didn't mention at all in that summary, uh, is Cyril. That's true. My bitch, uh, <laughs> I, who, uh. Yep, Cyril is. Yeah, Cyril is Reynolds' sister, yep. um, played by um, Leslie Manville. Leslie Manville, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and Reynolds and Cyril have a very interesting relationship yep. as well. Uh, they often feel like uh, it often feels like they're two parts of a whole. You yeah. Know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it would be easy to say that they feel like an old married couple, but that's not entirely yeah. he, accurate. And he, uh, he often, he often refers to her as my old so-and-so. Yep. Yeah, so it's got, and, like, And, a, uh, the, the first time that he does, it's very pointedly, uh, right, uh, in front of, uh, his, who you presu- presume to be his, his wife, uh, but his, you know, his, his girlfriend mm-hmm. or whatever. Right, right. You know, like the... Uh, yeah, the- one of the first scenes in the movie is um, them all sitting down to breakfast, and at first it's Reynolds and uh, what was her name? Uh, you said it before. His first girl. Oh, Joanna. Uh, Joanna. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, first it's Reynolds and Joanna eating, and uh, and they bigger a little bit, and then Cyril sits down and he's like, "My old so and so." Yeah, so affectionate. And, yeah, and and For so him. you're immediately like, "Okay, what's going on?" Yeah, right. Um, and then, yeah, and Joanna, like, pitches a fit about, you know, uh, sitting here waiting for you to get tired of me or something mm-hmm. like that. All that, which Alma then later also says, which is weird and interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they use the exact same words, no, but they have, like, they the don't. same conversation. But, but yeah, but then, uh, Cyril is, like, the, um... I was gonna say like the bodyguard. She's like the bouncer a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, you in the relationship, t- in you know, um, practical everyday life, she seems to be managing the business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that know. includes, you know, she is the one who says to him, uh, "Do you want me to get rid of yeah. this girl?" Which is a hilarious thought that like he is that for somebody. He's not. He, he's a little bit. I, I hesitate to use this because it gives the wrong impression, but. Reynolds is a man child. Yeah. Like a little um, bit, yeah. Uh because it's even to, like when when things don't go his way, he reacts like a child to yeah. them and like which drives Alma crazy like it would any right-thinking person. But it's um but yeah, but the fact that he can't even break up with his girlfriend. Cyril's like, "I'll do it. You go ahead. Go ahead on vacation. I'll, yeah. I'll catch up with you." And like, and then she does, which is I, which is one of my favorite things. Is like you know, uh, 
uh, Reynolds and Amal have like a date and then they, you know, and then they go into the, the workroom and he's going to, he's immediately yeah. going to make her a dress, even though they've known each other for like six hours. Mm-hmm. And Cyril like shows up and you can see Alma being like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. That's, that scene is, is wonderful because it's, uh, it starts off as this sort of, uh, it's almost, it's almost playful. Uh, when Reynolds and Alma are at dinner for the first time, uh, they're sort of playful, uh, but he's also, you know, Reynolds. Right. Uh, he's weird and firm. Um, but yeah, and then he starts uh, taking her measurements and mm-hmm. and uh, trying to design a dress around her body. And then Cyril shows up and you just like see Alma's entire body language yes. yep. uh, change. Yeah, she tenses up. Yeah. Yep. Because it, it was almost like flirting before right. that. And now she's like. Are, are we not flirting? I don't understand. I <laughs> yep. don't know who this is. Right. Is this your wife? Yeah. She walks in and says, who's this lovely creature that's making the house smell so nice? And then gets right up in her grill and starts like sniffing her and calling out like scent notes. Yeah. And almost like the fuck is happening right now. Yeah. And it's great. One thing that I loved about that uh, that little thing where she's just uh, yeah she's smelling the perfume and trying and like mentioning like basically every ingredient in the perfume because she's yep. trying to place all of them and I loved that because it felt like it gave uh, it you know it it I felt like I got the impression that uh, you know Cyril has her own skills her own artistic skills beyond running this business yeah. Uh, and, and she does not get to use them. I think that's true. I, um, I think that, you know, for the movie spends, I would say, not that this is a thing I think it's actively doing, Mm -hmm. but I feel like there's a good impression that like, uh, Cyril is like, uh, I was going to say good cop to Reynolds is bad cop. That's not exactly what I mean. Uh, but you know, but like. She cleans up the messes. She, yeah. you know, does this and that. And she she seems like the more flexible one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she uh, uh, she says that she likes Alma. She tries to help Alma when, when Alma fucks up breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she tries to help her out. Stuff like that. Um, but even though it doesn't seem like she likes her that much at first. Yeah. But I think it's just that Cyril is just as particular as Reynolds is. Uh, just about different things. Yes. And uh, and she just sort of wound up doing this because because they, you know, have this familial relationship mm-hmm. where they're like like the most important people to each other. Yeah, and it seemed like uh it seemed clear that Reynolds uh was like an obvious talent at a young age yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, they were perhaps thrust into this life together before they, uh, before Cyril even had a chance to uh, decide for herself. Exactly. Uh, um, well, one thing I wanted to say about the movie overall is that, you know, we, we said it's very plot light, uh, but even more than that, it feels like a series of moments. And they're not even all moments that feel tied to the plot or even to the story really Mm -hmm. uh like after this uh this opening breakfast with um with reynolds and joanna and cyril uh well i mean 
concurrent with that, or, or maybe right after it, you see them setting up work for the day right. mm-hmm. and Opening in this, the yeah, in this long and, yeah. montage. Mm-hmm. And then you, after that, it, there's a good like five minutes of the movie where you just sort of see him meet with like the first client right. uh, of the movie and you see them preparing the dress. It's exactly. like this whole five minute long sequence of just uh, Reynolds's work, his mm-hmm. like, your, uh, I guess perhaps his daily routine almost, uh, and it's almost completely wordless as well. You just right. have you have this uh, the wonderful Johnny Greenwood score mm-hmm. that it just like it just swells up and it just like almost like overwhelms the rest of the movie at times. I think you mean. Um. The first time that we saw it, the music made me insane. Um, because that was all I could remember, and it felt like it kept happening over and over and over again. The second time, I noticed how much more there is to the score. Yeah, there's... but there, No, there is. There's a ton of it, and it is good. But the first time we watched it, that was... All I could hear was that that, ma- that that particular scale in the main theme, and I could hear it in my head over and over and over and over again. I honestly can't even think of the piece of music that you mean. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was reading an interview with uh, Johnny Greenwood, and he said that he was talking about the way that he, uh, he works with uh, Anderson, and he said that Anderson likes to... Uh, he he likes having like pieces uh, written that he then edits the movie to, okay. rather than uh, like you might write uh, a theme for a character or uh, something, and you, you would you would score the movie. He writes music that sort of he feels would fit the movie, and then the movie is is edited it's to fit cut them to it. Yeah, That's and and so there there is. I feel like there are fewer pieces of music than you would normally get in a film. Okay. It's I feel like it's very like the same like four or five pieces that you hear kind of over and over whenever right. uh, it feels like you would uh, hear them. I think that would explain the why I had that feeling, why yeah. I felt like I kept hearing that piece of music because it was the one my brain latched onto and so mm-hmm. I wouldn't notice it when it came back up. I still though in retrospect cannot tell you if it appears more than twice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't but know. so but it in my, but in my brain that first time it felt like it was playing throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, which was why I had commented on it on it at the time. I do want to comment actually real quick on the yeah. fact that as I was singing uh, what it sounds like in my head, which mm-hmm. also may not be accurate. You may listen back to this and go, nope, that's not. So, um, but I realized I was making a motion with uh-huh. my hand that looks like the the poster. Like it, <laughs> it looks like yeah, okay. the font, the script with mm-hmm. the fan- and it, and it <laughs> okay. has the like the looping almost infinity symbol underneath mm. it. And that's what I was doing with my hand to that rhythm. So okay. he did a good job, is what I'm saying. Uh, it all when, ties together. When you were doing it just now, uh, this motion, it reminded me of a thing in this sort of opening montage where, you know, he has just fitted this uh, this woman for her dress. 
and then he like walks her into this empty room and he sits in this mm. chair in this in this wonderful pose where he's got like one leg out and he just sort of sweeps his arm grandly like my lady mm. uh try to and it's and it's just it's it's wonderful it's a wonderful little moment because it's uh yeah you know, uh, it's so charming and it also seems very rehearsed like he might right. do this every single time yeah that's true but, but he but he's that. also very he's putting on the charm for yep. this woman and and also it just looks great uh yeah I just, it does I just like to watch him uh do this yep. yeah there are a couple of, of of just shots of you know the women in the dresses in the rooms and they look great this is a good looking movie yeah the cinematography in this movie which uh, well i guess i should just say that um i think uh Every other movie that he's made, aside from uh, The Master, I think that was the only one uh, he has made with the cinematographer Robert Ellswit, okay. who uh, you know he met years ago. He's a great cinematographer. He's shot a lot of uh, classic movies. Um, and and um, PTA's movies always look absolutely amazing. And on this movie, he couldn't do it or something like that. And... Uh, so he decided to go without a cinematographer and you know in the in the the film twitter and all the in the the, the film newsosphere uh this was like paul thomas anderson is his own cinematographer this is amazing <laughs> uh, everybody's flipping over tables and screaming <laughs> into the shadows and it uh it could be uh, it could very well have been that he you know was there as cinematographer but like in every interview that he gave he was like no, uh, I kind of we kind of just did without one. I had this like there. There's this guy that he's also worked with on every movie. Uh, is the gaffer, which is kind of uh, he's he's like the lighting head of department, like below the cinematographer. Okay, like cinematographer's kind of head of lighting and head of camera, right? You know? And the gaffer's head of lighting, like yeah, actually, the way like I, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, the way I understood it was uh, the gaffer was in charge of actually setting up the lighting. Yeah. And uh, so he described this as a as a collaboration between himself and his longtime uh, gaffer, who on uh, this movie was listed as lighting cameraman. Okay. Which is that's uh it's a British term. Sometimes it's been used interchangeably with uh, director of photography mm. on British films. On uh, I, I think he specifically chose it because that was the term given to uh, uh, a lot of. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's directors of photography and Kubrick was uh, notably, you know, he was a photographer himself and he shot his first few movies and he would hire cinematographers, but he would tell them exactly what he wanted. Uh, he, he would tell them exactly what lenses to use. He would just have a cinematographer. He sounds like such a fun guy. He was definitely not a fun guy while making a movie. Uh, uh, you could say a lot of great things about Kubrick. He seemed like a, he seemed like he was probably possibly a fun guy if you just knew him in life. Okay. Uh, he loved watching really dumb comedies and stuff. Okay. Uh, he he called up. He uh, once called up Albert Brooks just to tell him that uh, Modern Romance was uh, the greatest fi- American film he had seen in a decade or something like that. Well, that's nice. Yes. Um. But yeah. So uh, so there was no cinematographer officially, uh, and this movie. Also looks beautiful like all of his others, but I, I noticed something specifically about this movie, which is that I feel like very often in sh- in shots there would be like a light source that looked like it. It looked like there was a light source like 
just off of camera and the light would sort of bleed into frame and often like overwhelm what you were seeing mm. in the shot. It wouldn't be like, you know, they, w- they wouldn't shine lights directly into the camera, but it would be like there was the sun was streaming in uh, like into the room, like right above where the camera was. And so okay. you'd get like a beam of light yeah, just hitting okay. like the top of frame or the side of a frame. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have any sort of insight about what that could uh, mean <laughs> thematically, but I did notice this happening a lot. Okay. Uh, all throughout the movie. Uh, there were times when it like you you couldn't see parts of people's faces mm-hmm. uh, because of this light that was coming in. Yeah. I and I, I I can't say that I noticed this specific thing mm-hmm. because it's not the type of thing that I yes. noticed. And this was only but, something I noticed on second viewing. You know. Uh, but in my head, as you were describing this, I was thinking of just the way that the apartment looks like particularly mm-hmm. like the staircase. Yeah. And that was what I was imagining. Well, an, an interesting thing about the look of the, the house of Woodcock, uh, is it's all very, uh, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. I always get these mixed up for because when they explain these terms, I, I always want to say that, uh, high key sounds like how you would describe what's actually low key lighting, at least to me. Okay. Uh, and what, and, um, it's basically the amount of light that you have in the frame. Uh, you know, you have your key light that's shining on the sort on your subject. Mm-hmm. That's the the thing you want people to see in the movie. Right. And uh, and there's also lights like a fill light and stuff. And a fill light like sort of removes a shadow behind the thing. And basically, low key lighting uh, is very dark and moody. Not a lot of other things in the frame are lit. Maybe you will see like. Uh, you know, a, a light source in the background uh, because not a lot of other things are... You will see the subject and you might see a lot of shadows around their face or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's often used for a very dramatic lighting. You, you know, think of like film noir or right. something like that. And high-key lighting, uh, the, the polar opposite would be like a sitcom where everything mm. is lit very evenly so you can see everything all at once. Okay. And the lighting is often described as being very flat. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think uh, you could describe the the light in the house uh, that they always work in as very high key light. You can always see everything. You know, you you're always seeing the wall. Everything is bathed in light everywhere okay. that you look. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see all the walls. You don't see anybody's shadows ever. That's a good point. Yeah. And I also noticed that, uh, you know, the walls are very white. Right. Uh, the people that work there are always, always wearing, wearing white. white. Yeah. The only color you ever s- really black. see. Well, Alma the- wears black. A co- yeah. Uh, yeah. Later on. Uh, and Reynolds wears and, like a dark suit. Right. Um, but yeah. And Cyril yeah. always wears uh, dark colors too, actually. Now yeah. Now I think about it. Yeah. And, um, well, quick side, uh, Reynolds, you see, is always wearing those like purple socks. Yes. And you notice uh, that the, you know, the dresses that he'll make people, uh, women are very colorful. But aside from that. For the most part, yeah. uh, His, his dress is obviously very put together, but it's very muted. Mm -hmm. But he has these very colorful socks. That's true. Yep. Uh, and they're sort of hidden away. Mm -hmm. You don't really notice that. You just see, there's like one shot when you put them on. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, anyway, uh, like everyone's always wearing white and the walls are white and I noticed, I noticed this especially because uh, 
uh, it contrasts with a lot of other environments in the film. Like when they go to like the country house, uh, uh, everything is very low key lighting. Okay. Everything is very yeah. shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lit by candlelight mm-hmm. and a fireplace. Right. And you, you're, you don't see everything uh, lit up and the walls are very dark. Right. And, um, an intrigue is happening. <laughs> well, I think it's just, uh, I don't even know if it's uh, supposed to be like intriguing as so much as it's just, it's very much contrasting the two uh, worlds, the two environments. Mm, yeah, you know, okay. also, um, you know, not for nothing, Reynolds meets Alma and sort of falls for her in this sort of environment where yeah, everything's very in the country, warm yeah. and inviting. Mm-hmm. And then she's immediately transported to this city world and this building where everything's white and everything's mm-hmm. very uh, flat and. Uh, I actually, uh, this is not directly related, but it reminded me of a thing that I want to say mm-hmm. about Alma uh, specifically is yeah. that um, that girl blushes like that is the that is the, like literally. You know how you, have you ever watched a movie when somebody says something like, "Oh, don't make me blush," or "Oh, you're blushing," mm-hmm. and you look at them and no, they're not. They're not blushing. They're not because they have they're wearing like cinema makeup yeah but uh vicky creeps blushes like nobody's business in this movie her (laughs) whole face turns red and it's beautiful and i love her i don't know if i ever really noticed that actually yeah unfortunately yeah it happens uh a couple of times i would say at least twice but yeah she gets really flushed in the face and it it just warms my heart i know in uh in general life i feel like i tend to uh blush very easily i don't i don't know if i could uh make myself do that in a film i i think that it's probably just a uh you know just a side effect of it's it's in like you know emotional situations or like nervous situations and stuff like that so yeah uh, i mean i feel like that's uh that's somewhere where like uh method acting or like sense memory would come in very handy I, i don't know i the times that i've acted i'm like eh, you just say the words and it's fine uh Say them like you mean them, and it will work out fine. I don't do a lot of research or right. things like that, uh, but but something like that, you know, you need your body has like a physiological response to like uh, to uh, you know certain emotions that you're feeling, and and there's really no other way to make yourself blush than to like like have an embarrassing memory that you recall or <laughs> something true. like that. Yeah, you know, or get really upset. In the moment. Yeah. Because she has a couple of, like, that kind of, of blush at one point, too. Like, mm-hmm. just a, a f- more of a flush of rage, I guess. But no, I don't know. If, well, she probably does that, too. Yeah. But that's not what I was thinking of specifically. But, yeah. Just, yeah. Because they fight. Yeah. And she gets red. <laughs> and, and I just, it's just, it's nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. I don't know. No, it's great. Okay. Um... I like that they let that happen, basically. Yeah. It's, it a little bit reminds me of, and you know, when they first meet, when they first go to dinner, mm-hmm. uh, Reynolds, uh, like a man, uh, reaches across the table and wipes off her lipstick so that he can see who he's talking to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and but like it's 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 gross, but also really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she's into it. Yeah. So you know whatever, but um, but also, but I feel a little bit like. 
I don't know, maybe the maybe it's just the way that she looks, but mm-hmm. I feel like the movie does that kind of in okay. letting her get so red. Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know. Well, you know, I feel like uh Paul Thomas Anderson in general, I've uh he has always had a, you know a love affair with his actors mm-hmm. and you know he i feel like he always uh made these movies as showcases for these uh wonderful par- uh performances that these actors could could give but uh gradually he's sort of uh he's sort of lost all of the uh like visual flourishes that he uh, might have had in his uh, earlier days. I mean, his movies will continue to look amazing. It's not like he doesn't care about the cinematography. Obviously, he was his own cinematographer. Right. Uh, But, like, he... More and more, the movies will just be a series of close-ups. Very often, like, you know, they'll just focus on the actor's face Mm -hmm. closer than you would possibly normally go in a movie Mm -hmm. like the i feel like the standard pta close-up is uh is a you know a good 20 percent closer than most other close-ups in movies okay uh yeah okay uh, because he just he loves the faces he loves the faces of the actors acting Mm -hmm. it's like that's what movies are there i think he's even said like there's no a better special effect than an actor's face. Like that's that's why you go see a movie is is to see you know someone performing, and uh, and so I think it's interesting though because I do think this movie has both because it has yeah. all of the pageantry of you know like the house and mm-hmm. and uh, and the shots of the you know the making the yeah. dresses and and the fashion show and stuff which I love the fashion show yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful sequence. You really get to see him like under pressure, right? Uh, it it almost explains why he spends so much of the movie avoiding confrontation and uh, and pressure and stuff. That's true. Uh, He's almost, like saving up his ability yeah, to exactly. deal with it. Um, but you know, I you know, obviously, yeah, the movie has both. I think he just. He's slowly stripping away everything that he feels is unnecessary in a movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like uh, a movie like Boogie Nights, which I very much enjoyed. It's very much a movie of a 26-year-old trying to show off the movie. You know, that big opening tracking shot. Uh, A lot of that is just completely unnecessary, but it's just fun to watch. Uh, But it is kind of unnecessary. And I think he's sort of realized, he's trying to figure out what is necessary. He still wants to make beautiful looking movies but uh but not at the expense of the performances or you know what really matters okay i think i don't know i think that's a good theory yeah do you have anything you want to say or should i start hitting up my list (laughs) um well i guess you know i didn't want to go through this movie beat by beat um it's also kind of hard to because there's not that many beats Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it is, uh, some scenes are worth mentioning, like the, uh, the dinner scene halfway through. Which, uh, this is one of the things I wanted to say. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, is that, is that dinner just asparagus? 
is it just asparagus? <laughs> is there more food? And they just never get to it. I I think that's got to be like the first course. That was okay. Um, but you know, this is more of a thing about the old mo- well. Uh, this movie, well, Reynolds has a very interesting relationship with food in this yes. movie. Obviously. There's, you know, the the big thing with the, the mushrooms and right. and the and you know the omelet at the very end, but I think even more than that, uh, I think food for him it's tied to very much to emotion, and I think he spends a lot of the a lot of his life trying not to let emotion get the better of him. Okay. You know, he he spends uh, he tr- he tries very hard to keep like an even keel while working and stuff, uh, and and you can see like while they're at home, very often he'll ha- he'll eat like almost nothing. Yeah, and he has a very minimal breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you know when he gets out to the country after he gets his sister to dump his girlfriend, right? Uh, he goes to this uh, this hotel and orders. Everything. He <laughs> yep. orders the entire the menu. Whole breakfast menu. Yep. Yeah. He yeah. Uh bacon, uh a poached egg on top of uh like yep. I don't know, French yep. toast or something. Yeah, toast, yep. Scones, yeah. jam. Mm-hmm. Raspberry, raspberry jam specifically. Yep. Uh yep. sausages. Yep. Uh, uh pot of tea. Yeah, pot of uh, uh, very specific tea. Yeah, I which remember. I can't remember what it is. Uh, but yeah, lapsang? he Yeah, lapsang tea. Mm-hmm. And and this happens uh, multiple times in the course of the movie. Uh, there's the moment when you know we didn't talk at all about this. Uh, there's there's a very small subplot with this uh, this like American heiress or something who's getting married to this uh, this like like uh, like Argentinian. Oh, yes. Sort of guy who's like I don't know hiding Nazis or something like that. Right, something this weird. Just, this is just mentioned has, very offhand. Yeah, uh, but there, but he designs a dress for this like engagement that, announcement I'm dinner. You, I'm glad that you brought this up. Actually, I thought that that might have been the actual wedding because um, okay, but it was a very different dress. It was like a right, light green dress, exactly. Um, but I'm glad that you brought this up because it brought up something that I was trying to remember that I did want to say. Okay. But I, I wanted to touch on this real quick because um, the, the lady who plays the heiress yeah. uh, is Harriet Harris, yeah, uh, who I love. Okay. And uh, I hadn't seen her in anything in like 10 years. And so I was so happy when she showed up in this movie, even though she shows up as a drunken nightmare. Yeah, and she had, who has like two lines, but she's yeah. very memorable. Uh, and she was like, she was the camp counselor in Adam Stanley Values, wasn't I be- she? Yeah, yeah, I think I believe so. Her um, and Peter McNichol. Uh, she's definitely in it. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, when I when I pulled her up just now on IMDb, uh, that showed up as the known for. Yeah. Uh, but she's in... Well, I love her. She was on uh, Frasier, I'm pretty okay. sure. Um, uh, but I, uh, I saw her in Thoroughly Modern Millie. Uh, mm. the the musical yeah. uh, and she was great in that um, she's in Memento as uh, Sammy Jenkins' wife yeah yep. that's right uh, which she might not have lines now that I'm thinking about it because no. that's all in flashback mm-hmm. um, but but yeah but she's great and I love her so I wanted I mean, to shout her out specifically uh, 
face like hers, you don't even need lines. It's true. Just, uh, yeah, you, you get a full sense of her from her very uh, few lines in this movie. But anyway, um, you know, there's that moment where, you know, she's a drunken mess at this party and Alma gets very upset. She's like, mm-hmm. she doesn't deserve to wear that dress. Yeah. That uh, I think, you know, it's it's that, that he spent so much time on, but it's also kind of that she spent so much time on. Right. Like, you know, that was... That's that was my life. That I, I think I think it's a little bit, you know, like uh, you spend all that time not being with me, making this dress for her, uh, and and so she doesn't deserve it. I didn't uh, think about it that way, but I think you might be right about yeah. that kind of yeah. Uh, but you know, obviously that's that. But then they they well, well what I well okay continue what you were gonna say first. The, uh, they eventually uh, they go up to her hotel room and and just forcibly take the dress off of her while she's yep. uh, passed out on the bed. And afterwards, they're they're just they're giddy. They're uh, yep. like they like he he stops her in the middle of the street to just kiss her. Yep. And you've never seen him do a thing like that before. Exactly. And then uh, the very the next morning for breakfast, uh, he goes into the kitchen to the, the cook and he's like, "Do we have do we have sausages? Yeah. Por- uh, do we yeah porridge? Can we por- get porridge? Uh, porridge? We have yeah. cream. It makes the house different. Yeah. And 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 he's just and he's having yep. these things. Uh, and there was even uh, there like. At the beginning of the movie again, in that one scene with Joanna, she's like, "Hey, you want this like cinnamon bun?" And he's like, "I don't like squidgy things for breakfast <laughs> yep. anymore." Yep. And uh, and then you know uh, after this, he's eating a cinnamon roll, right. you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and and so he's uh, food is very interesting. Yeah. It's all it's almost but not quite sexual. I think, right. you know. I, uh, I I had two things to say. One of these things is about food, and one of these things is about that scene. Mm-hmm. Because I was trying to remember that scene uh, when I was talking earlier about how uh, when he is sick, I think one of the things that Reynolds like is that um, you know Alma steps up to like not the the word well, I wasn't going to use then, but I can use now is defend the House of Woodcock, <laughs> and that's what she does in this wedding scene. Yeah. Like I think in his mind is like she is defending his work and mm-hmm. his business yeah. and and he's into it mm-hmm. and um and i think that that's one of the things that he likes about her because he wouldn't he wouldn't have done it yeah you know he would have sat there and been angry mm-hmm. um but uh the other thing i was gonna say uh was about food and it was when one of the like little things that i noticed because they always go to the same restaurant yeah um and you know uh it's usually it starts out it's him and Cyril and then it's uh he and Alma go there and then Cyril shows up yeah and then uh and then they're back in that restaurant after they get married mm-hmm. uh, when uh Alma and Reynolds get married uh they they're eating dinner there after their wedding and mm-hmm. but you just see them eating just parfaits and they look so goddamn good <laughs> like I I wanted that parfait in my life and um. And yeah, and even then, like, you know, they're, they're like there with a couple of people and they're talking and having fun and, and eating food and, and Alma, like, kind of like gives Reynolds the look. It's like, hey, and they like run out of that party to go get down because that girl <laughs> likes to get down. Yeah. yeah. Um, going back to what you were saying about uh, him, uh, liking that she defended his work. Uh, and that he would never do that uh, in his daily life. I I think uh, I think Reynolds often feels oppressed while being the oppressor. Yeah, 
I think, yeah. I he think feels like he's not allowed to do anything when, like, it's... He, he can do anything he wants. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, except not go to this wedding, because as Cyril points out, uh, that woman pays for this house. Yes. <laughs> but I just like the idea of the fact that she is, like, their patron, and that's yeah. why they have such a nice place. Mm-hmm. And she's just a mess. But, but yeah. But I, I, I do think that's true. I think that he he feels... Like, he's in, I guess, I was going to say a prison of his own making, but I don't think it's as dramatic <laughs> as that. Not quite, but but also a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just going to hit you with some of my rando thoughts. Sure. Um, Let's go. Okay, one of them is, I thought this the first time I saw the movie, and I did think it this time, too, but it only applies to the first couple of things. Uh I remember being underwhelmed the first time that you see the dresses because I thought the fabric looked gross and it should hang better. (laughs) But it's just that very stiff, like, 50s shiny fabric. It has a name and I don't know it. Is it it satin? It might be. It might be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I can't think of it. Uh, Yeah, I unfortunately. I definitely know it. I feel like I just am not equipped to judge the costumes in this movie. Right. Or really any movie at all. Yeah. Because I just I you know I like to I like to be fashionable in my own way, but I I don't know anything about uh, fancy dresses or anything. It's just not what I. Uh, That's fair. Look at, but the cuts are always really great, and when they have the fashion show, I would uh, wear basically all of it. Honestly, I would wear all those. I love like retro clothes, though. This is not exactly my wheelhouse. I'm more like the big, uh, you know, forty swing skirt sort of style mm-hmm. a little bit better but um but i would i would not say no to these uh wonderful tailored dresses okay so they talk about how you know well we talked a little bit about how reynolds started doing this when he was a kid mm-hmm. so he probably had a talent for it uh alma gets transplanted into this world and immediately goes to work in the house can she sew could all people sew? Is this just? A I thing? mean, uh, it and at that time it probably was a skill that many women learned from a very young age. Okay. Uh, but not necessarily more than just being able to like mend a seam or. Well, I mean, I like. I feel like maybe not at that time in the fifties, but it was not much earlier than that that where like, uh, uh, people just made dresses because. It was a lot cheaper than buying an already made dress. True. And a lot of people just had that skill. Uh, so I don't know. But yeah, you never really get a sense of uh, like Alma's uh, life. Yeah, ambitions. Before, yeah. Right. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's this waitress. Um, In a cocktail bar. Sorry. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, she's just this waitress. Um, but. It clearly is not a job she particularly has uh, uh, an affinity for or a a particular skill in. Yeah, she does remember all of the food. That's true, but she just like tripped over it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, then she just sort of drops her whole life to go uh, off with this guy. You know, uh, it's just speculation, but I feel like at that time, a lot of women were not expected to have career ambitions. No, that's fair. And so maybe she just wanted to meet a nice guy and support him and uh, yeah. and get him flat on his back. <laughs> <laughs> Helpless. 
But, like, this is, uh, um, yeah, because you sort of, I guess we, we explained this a little bit better, but one of my notes, I was trying to figure out, you know, when they first meet, I'm like, what do they have in common? And I, and I wrote, they like driving and question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> Um, I mean, I really do think, like, at the, you know, that first meeting, it's that, you know, they think each other is cute. Yeah, uh, they want to get down. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you see their dinner afterwards, and they have, you see uh, their discussions, but they don't necessarily have anything in common. They just sort of get along in their weird way, you know? Right. Uh, That's true. Uh, let's see. What's next? What's next? Oh, speaking of Alma wanting to bone, do you think that she wants to wanted to bone that doctor, uh, or do you think it's just the fact that uh, he was paying attention to her and Reynolds was not? Uh, I think it can be both. Okay. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's the thing that uh, that reminds me of a thing that I wanted to say, which was that. You know, obviously they get married sort of, uh, you know, in the middle of this movie somewhere. And then they go off on presumably honeymoon in uh, Switzerland or something. And uh, there's this whole uh, series of scenes where uh, I know if you've never seen the movie uh, The Heartbreak Kid. Mm -mm. Well, there's two of them now. Uh, I saw I've seen the original one with Charles Grodin. Right. A- and this felt like this this whole sequence felt like an homage to that movie. Yeah. Which like I know that uh he has seen this movie. Right. I'm sure he has seen it many, many times. And and yeah, there's there's like you know, the scene where like that they're out uh eating yep. uh sweets uh and and you hear like the, yeah. the her teeth clink on the gl- on the it's, spoon while she's eating. It's really funny too because you know because they originally they have the fight because she's making too much noise at breakfast. Yeah, and she doesn't know until Cyril tells her that mm-hmm. that's the problem. And then uh, there's a couple of times after that where you see them having breakfast and she's incredibly quiet even mm-hmm. though she's doing the same things she's still buttering her toast she's yeah. still doing this and that but she's making no noise now because she learned mm-hmm. it and then as soon as they're married yeah she's making all the noise that she wants yeah at breakfast, and i have to and shout out this, the sound design in this movie because those the sounds are like the the clinking on the the cups yep. and the the scraping of the toast yep it, and he's like wincing the yeah, whole time it's very it's like it's 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 the sounds sound like they're mic'd like very close yep you know it uh and and it's they're very deliberately played up that would not be no- normally that loud in a movie and in fact you know she's later she's doing the same thing and they're not loud at all right. because it's not annoying at that point yep uh so i i really uh, loved that that detail yeah that was great but yeah this whole little sequence in switzerland feels like a mini homage to the heartbreak kid <laughs> uh which i i loved and and yeah uh, there's the this uh uh this connection between the the doctor Yep. Uh, but yeah, and then that lady uh, is the worst. Oh yeah, she's uh, well. She yeah, sucks. she's clearly trying to get uh, uh, get after Reynolds and yep. presumably just his his money, presumably, uh, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but also, it seems like he's a very uh, in demand uh, ladies' man. That's true. Uh, yeah, he he refers to himself early on as a confirmed bachelor. Yes, but uh, the implication is that you know he's he's going to date some ladies. Yes, yeah. yeah, he's just not going to marry them. Yeah. Until he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, she, I think she is feeling uh, neglected mm-hmm. uh, by Reynolds. And um, and that's when uh, 
the doctor like, tells her about the New Year's party. Yeah, and they go to the and, and then she she goes to the party alone because yep. he just wants to sit and and sketch on right. New Year's Eve. And you know, I honestly I feel like she might not even really want to go to the party. She just wants uh to be with someone who is going to pay attention to her. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's Reynolds or the doctor. Right. And, um, but then she goes to this party and you never see the doctor at this party and she's just still having, not that I noticed at least you don't don't see, I thought she was with him. Was, I don't know. I don't know. If he's there, you don't get a good look at him and she's just seems to be having a, a a great time just dancing with strangers Mm -hmm. and there's like a giant fake elephant and balloons fall. Uh, But but it it does seem, it does seem like, yeah, when he, when he gets there. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful and crazy the way this yep. looks. But it does a seem like when he gets, yeah, it yeah. seems like when he gets there, uh, it's it's maybe about to turn bad, right? Uh, and then he's like, "Come on, we're leaving." Uh, but then she goes, she but then so they stay sullen. and they just sort of like dance all night. Well, or something like that. that was one of the things I was going to ask you. Yeah. Um, because there is, you know, a great shot at the end of the movie where yeah. it's the two of them in the middle of the dance floor yeah, and they're, by and they're themselves. Like, they're like, uh, the guy's like yep. sweeping up. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. And then like more people come onto the dance floor though after that. Okay. Like at the end of the shot. Um, but, but like, I, I realized this er- today when I was thinking about it mm-hmm. is that that shot comes as she's talking uh, you know, she talks about, uh, sometimes I skip forward in our lives to a future where our, you know, our children are coming back and stuff. And like, while she's telling this story or she's saying this, uh, you know, this thought, uh, you see the two of them in a park with a baby carriage and, yeah. and they leave the baby with Cyril and they're just walking and mm-hmm. it's nice and it's great. Um, and then after that is this shot of them dancing at the party. Is okay. Yeah, I don't remember it being that. I'm sure you're right. Um, yeah, and but that made me wonder if, if it's um, supposed to be another New Year's, right? If it's another New Year, if it's if it's part of her fantasy of their life. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe. Yeah, it. it uh, those or, things aren't necessarily yeah. right. Or if it happened, happened yeah. if or if you know they hung out and they because the first time that I watched it, that I I yeah. thought the same thing was that. You know, they 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 stayed at the party. They danced, and yeah. you know, and it was nice. Know. But uh, you know, uh, one thing we didn't mention at all is that this movie is sort of, but not really, narrated by Alma. It's, right. It starts off with her talking to somebody, and it feels almost like she's giving like an interview or something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't really come back to see uh, who it is until later on in the movie. Yeah. And you see that she's talking to this doctor friend of theirs. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, you don't really come back to that shot very often, but every once in a while you'll hear her talk about this stuff. And I do think it is worth noting, you know, like, uh, this movie is, uh, you know, about Reynolds Woodcock, but I think it is kind of Alma's story. I think so, too. You know, it's it's very pointed uh, that it, it starts and ends with her, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, she's... Well, no, I mean, Reynolds is the person who changes. Well, I guess they both, you know, sort of change over time. Uh, you know, Reynolds has this this sort of arc, but she is the the catalyst uh, right. for this change in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's the know. one who's taken what she wants. Yeah. Um, there's also I did want to mention. There's a great line when they're uh, first hanging out after they go to dinner. 
and they sort of sit down in front of the fire and you know there's this wonderful shot where uh you where uh reynolds is just sort of sitting there uh with his hands on his knees just looking at her and sort of smiling and not saying anything but just sort of like taking her in or something like that Mm -hmm. and then you know uh and cuts to her and she's smiling back and she says uh uh, if you want to have a staring contest with me, you will lose. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of the whole movie. That's true. Yeah. That's a good Is point. they, you know, she stares back uh, yep. and and she will win. And she does. And I, I love it when there's a, a line in a movie that, that can kind of sum up the whole movie uh, without, you know. without Yeah, without you being, realizing it at the time. Yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Turns out all we needed was a green book. Uh, I haven't seen that movie. Bom, 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 bom. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. I I actually feel like you hit a couple of things that I was going to say. Oh, but, okay. Well, um, cool. there then was stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just one other thing because you brought uh-huh. up how she's talking to the doctor in this mm-hmm. like interview sort of way. And uh, there's no specific indication given to when this is happening. Yeah. Although it seems like it might be after the uh, quote unquote end of the movie, you know, when she gives him the om- the omelet and stuff. And he's like, I think you better call that doctor friend of yours just in case. Yeah. You know, it um, really never occurred to me that it uh, could have been like right after that moment. I think in my head, I just it was in the middle was, of the movie. No, or? in in my in my head, it was like like her conversation with him was like years later or something like that. That's the thing. Yeah, it seems like it could be any time. Yeah. Well, I think and it's so, because like in a, you know in that shot right at the beginning, she's talking against the fireplace, and it seems like she's being interviewed. Right. And even though you see that it's uh, she's just talking to a doctor, I think it never sort of left my head that she's like giving, giving an a, overview yeah, yeah of like her her and reynolds life together or right. something like that uh mm-hmm. so but yeah it's it seems like it could be that same night yeah uh after they're just like sitting next to the toilet together and right. he's, he's just like smiling at her holding her <laughs> yeah while he's he's got the bowl in his yeah. hands that he's gonna throw up into yep uh, these two fucking weirdos. I know. They found each other. And yeah, that's good nice, for them. I guess. Uh, the I um I had totally forgotten mm-hmm. uh after the first time we watched it, the second time we were watching it, in my head he threw up on the dress. No, he, he did never not. does. No, he he does just not. falls over yeah. and uh and uh, uh he, and Dor- gets, he, he got, gets shoe he got polish, shoe on, polish the yeah. on the dress yeah. from his shoe. <laughs> Um, oh, that, that that girl is great, and that whole scene is is and, hilarious and, because, yeah, because Cyril, Cyril just, just cannot understand yeah, what's happening. Just, just like who who fell down? Who who fell down? <laughs> fell down on what? <laughs> who? <laughs> Why is there a ship? <laughs> yep, she can't yep. handle it, <laughs> and it's great. Yep. Um, but yeah, so but when Alma's talking to this doctor though. Yeah. Do you think that she told him that she poisoned him? Do you think she decided, you know what? Full disclosure, this is what I'm about. I He ate some bad mushrooms. I gave them to him because it makes our marriage better. I think so. Yeah. I feel like... Yeah, I don't know. And that doctor's like, boy, I dodged a bullet here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yep. This, this movie. Yep. It's a good time. Yeah. I like it. Well, yeah. You know, I wanted to say that, uh, you know, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, because he is this guy who has, uh, he's, you know, he's made these acclaimed movies for coming on 20 years now, uh, over 20 years now, actually. And, uh, and he's been, you know, making Oscar contenders and like just critically loved movies for so long. Uh, and he's, he's a guy who, you know, a lot of these people have by now directed like, you know, a superhero movie or something. And he very much hasn't. Uh, I feel like he gets this, uh, this reputation, especially because unlike his later movies, they feel very Kubrickian. He gets this reputation as this like intellectual filmmaker, this person who might maybe makes uh, sort of impenetrable art house movies or something like that. But I feel like, you know, if you ever listen to PTA in an interview uh, or see him like talk about other people's movies he he just loves all sorts of movies. He he just he loves being entertained by movies, and he's not, uh, you know, he I mean he loves Adam Sandler movies, and he cast Adam Sandler right. in the movie. And I think his goal is to make movies uh, is is to make extremely entertaining movies. They're just entertaining in his specific way. Yeah. They're the the movies that are most entertaining to him, and he's not making these like inscrutable uh art pieces they're very beautiful but like you watch his movies and they're just fun to watch Mm -hmm. even when things are very tense uh it's you're just enjoying being in this world and uh i just think it's it's uh that's worth mentioning and worth not forgetting uh this movie was nominated for six academy awards It won one. It won best costume design because, like, like, it a, kind of had to. Right, I was going to say because, of uh, course, it did. Uh, and, you know, like I said, that's not really something that I feel like I can judge. Uh, it was nominated for best picture, obviously. Best director, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, best original score, Johnny Greenwood, which I think this is the first time he was nominated. I think it all. I oh yeah, because I feel like there was a thing with the there will be blood one that yeah, they decided they, it had too much pre existing music exactly because like it incorporated that. like a, a, a an orchestral piece he had written a couple years before, um, which is I, a shame. It is a shame, uh, but I I really love his score here. It feels. It feels kind of more traditional than, uh, like, I mean, I don't know his work. I mean, I know his work in Radiohead, but not really outside of in movie scores outside of his work on these movies. Uh, and I feel like this, uh, uh, some of these pieces feel like they could be in a Merchant Ivory movie mm-hmm. or any sort of, like, grand costume drama. And then there's the weird ones where it's just sort of, like, tones. Yeah. You know, and it's a nice mix of everything. Uh, it was also nominated for Best Leading Actor, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Best Supporting Actress, Leslie Manville. And both of those are uh, richly deserved. I think this was an interesting Daniel Day-Lewis performance. Uh, once again, I'm kind of not really familiar with a lot of his previous work. You know, I, I've never seen, you know, My Left Foot or, right. uh, I don't know, The Boxer or whatever he was making in, in the the. 90s i've seen like the last of the mohicans and then i've seen gangs of new york and 
there will be blood and this movie. But uh, going off of those movies, this does feel like a very different, like a restrained performance from him. Mm-hmm. Um which is not to say that, like, I don't I don't think he needs to be restrained in his performance, but, like, Bill the Butcher and Daniel Plainview, those are such huge outsized characters, and he, and he, and he fills them. Uh, and in this one, it's a much, it's a much narrower thing. It's much more, I mean, he's playing a much more controlled, restrained person. Yeah. And so it's not a very flashy performance. It's not the sort of thing that wins you Oscars. You know, just think, uh, he's been nominated a bunch of times, and he's won three uh times and i think uh each of his uh wins kind of fits into a traditional type of osc of best actor winner uh my left foot he was disabled or diseased some way uh there will be blood most acting award he acted the most out of anybody in that year and lincoln, lincoln. playing a real person yep uh, <laughs> one of the most famous people yeah in uh, the world. and so and then this was very much not a role where he was most acting no. he was not playing a real person and you know uh, and he didn't have he did have uh, problems he did but he didn't have uh any particular challenge other yeah. than just being like a little bit of a shitty person yeah uh he had a complete use of his body that's true <laughs> yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and Lens- Leslie Manville is uh, is wonderful in this movie. I feel like we almost didn't even talk too much about Cyril, which is kind of a shame because uh, she her she's my her favorite. presence is felt even when she's yep. not in the scenes. And I love her so much. Yeah, she's wonderful. <laughs> I love Cyril. Uh, I don't remember if I already said it. Uh, so if so, cut this out. Um, but every time that I ever describe this movie to anybody, I specifically say I am ride or die for Cyril. <laughs> so I have to put that on the record. Sure. Yep. Um, uh, other than that, I think that's it. I, I feel like, uh, you know, I want to like sum up, but I feel like I kind of summed up my feelings in the movie when we first started talking. Uh, you know, this, I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson movies and this is one yeah so i love it uh and it's it maybe doesn't grab you as immediately as not not immediately but as forcefully as there will be blood or the master does uh but it it is it's a phenomenal piece of work and if like you know if some no-name person had made this movie i'd be like oh my god this is who the hell is this person that made this amazing movie but because it's Paul Thomas Anderson, and he's made uh, what six other amazing movies. Like, yeah, of course it's great. Obviously, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I, I think that that's as good a place as I need to stop because otherwise I'm just going to read you. Uh, well, you've already read them. I was going to read you just trivia things for my. Yeah, I, th- because, I think. Uh, which I'm sure you read all of them. Yeah, I believe that I did. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. That's it for Phantom Thread. Great movie. Uh, yeah, yeah I movie. enjoy it. Uh, uh, watch it. Yeah, watch Keep this it. movie. Um, but if you uh, enjoyed listening to us talk uh, for a very long time about Phantom Thread, uh, we have plenty of other episodes now for you to, uh, to listen to. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, rate it in the iTunes store. Uh, leave us a review. That's apparently even more helpful than just leaving a five-star rating. It's harder to do. 
Uh, I've never rate, uh, reviewed a podcast. What am I going to write? Yeah. Good podcast! Exclamation point. I mean, I guess that's all you can write. Yeah, you, you yeah. can write that if you want. Yep. Um, but yeah, that would be very helpful. Um, and it would be very nice. Yeah. Uh, what else would be nice is following us on Twitter at nominees pod or uh, dropping us uh, a line over at nominees pod at gmail.com. Uh, if you uh, are. Uh, if you if you want to just listen to this podcast just on the internet for some reason, if you don't own a phone or something, you can go to nominesword.podbean.com. Find all our episodes there. Um, that was it. Those are all the things, right? Yeah, uh, that's all the things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to say about Fan Thread or about this podcast or about me? Uh, uh, kiss me before I'm sick. There you go. <laughs> that girl is. <laughs>